When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to In the Limelight, Vanity Fair's entertainment and pop culture podcast. I'm Josh Duboff, Vanity Fair senior writer, and I'm here with Julie Miller, Vanity Fair senior Hollywood writer. On In the Limelight, we analyze the ins and outs of pop culture, entertainment, and celebrity from the past week. From the Kardashians to Kate Middleton and everything in between. On this week's episode, we will discuss last night's dramatic Big Little Lies finale. And Julie had a very special interview last week with two of the leading ladies from the show. And I want to hear all about that. We'll also hear about Josh's party run-in with Anne Hathaway, which he didn't even tell me about. Which, like... (laughs) I love that this doesn't even register, like a meeting with an Oscar winner, no big deal. I know, I thought of it this morning, like, oh, I should mention Anne Hathaway. I was like, I can't believe I forgot that. We'll also update you guys on the latest plot twist in the William Ski Trip scandal. But first, okay, so Big Little Lies. Josh, how did you watch last night? I wish I had, like, dressed in Audrey Hepburn, the full breakfast at Tiffany's get-up, and had, like, 18 people over for an Audrey and Elvis party in my apartment with, like, Avenue Q puppets, like, face paint or something. But unfortunately, I had none of that. Though I was really thinking that, like, my next birthday party... uh, I used to do these great themed birthday parties when I was younger, like a Gossip Girl one. I did a Miley Cyrus party in the USA one. Like, I used to be known for my thematic pop culture birthday parties. Wait, (laughs) wait, Gossip Girl, what did that entail? The show was, like, thriving. It was, like, in the heyday of the show. So you had to dress just as any character from the show. So I dressed as Chuck, I think. (laughs) I mean, all the girls came as Blair Waldorf. And I just wore, like, bright colors, basically. (laughs) Anyways, you could do a great Big Little Eyes-themed party, is what I'm trying to say. And I'm sure some of you have. Let us know. But that was a lot of build-up to say that I did nothing. (laughs) I just, like, watched with a glass of white wine. And it was great. Actually, I'm really happy, almost, that I watched it by myself. Because there wasn't, like, the distractions. You know when you're watching a show with a bunch of people, sometimes you can miss lines. And I like to go back sometimes to relook at, like, a great Reese Witherspoon reaction shot. Or, like, if I miss, oh, like, a, a lot of piece them. of dialogue. Yeah, so I feel like it was actually kind of fine that I was watching it antisocially. You actually got to watch it before any of, you know, like, most of America, huh? Right. I watched the screener last week, and I had a really, like, existential <laughs> questioning moment because I thought it was such a fantastic episode. I was kind of mad at myself for being so snarky and, like, cynical about the series before. But even though I thought the episode was incredible, I have a lot of logistical questions. I wouldn't count on anything less from you. (laughs) 
So the majority of the finale takes place at quote unquote trivia night, which is like this fundraiser that looked like bigger in scale than the Golden Globes. But it was Audrey Hepburn and Elvis themed, which was like an amazing opportunity to have every main character just dress up in like an Audrey Hepburn costume, basically. And then this is where like the murder takes place. It's sort of like the final set piece for the entire series. Right. Spoiler alert if you've not read it or <laughs> yeah, not watched alert. the episode yet. I know. I feel so bad whenever people have been tweeting at us stuff like, I can't listen to the first half of your podcast. This is the last week of this, you guys. <laughs> right. Um, but that's on you because you should have made time. This was a yeah, priority. Good, good point. Why am I being so accommodating? It was like this forest wonderland they had set up for this. Was it a PTA fundraiser? Like the most lavish... Yeah, there's never been a fundraiser like this. I feel like high-profile private schools have to reassess their whole... I feel like they're going to have to, like, up their games now. I mean, just, like, the tiki torches, it was, like... That was stressing me out because it was such a fire hazard. They were, like, in the forest. They (laughs) built this incredible dance floor complete with chandelier outdoors. Yeah, it was kind of insane. There's also just, like, so many things happening there. Do you know what I mean? Also, it's like they can't get it together to fix that railing at the top (laughs) of the stairs but they can throw, like, the most lavish fundraiser. I think the second season should be about whoever pulled this off, the event organizer. My brother had a good point, though, of the foreshadowing. Like, you know how Reese always had so much trouble with that staircase? Like, she would always rip off that yellow tape and never, you know, be like, you should always scowl and then make her way up, and that's where the... That's where Alexander Skarsgård met his demise. Or I should say Perry, not Alexander Skarsgård. I keep doing that with this show, like conflating the actor names. I think we're all doing that. Well, because it's too many actors. Yeah. So you have to kind of just use their real life names. What did you make, though? And I'm just going full into spoilering territory. At this point, everyone was watched. So were you surprised that Bonnie was so involved in the murder? Bonnie, played by Zoe Kravitz. So we, we kind of have, we've known all along Alexander Skarsgård's Perry, who's been abusing Nicole Kidman. So last has been this kind of horrific figure, but it kind of has this other side to him that sort of can be sweet. So it's very complicated. Turns out he's also the rapist of Shailene Woodley's Jane. So he's just like really bad guy. So we kind of knew he was going to As die. if I he was... wasn't bad enough that he was like <laughs> abusing the human goddess that is like Nicole Kidman. They really layered a lot of additional crimes against humanity in those like That's final true. five minutes. I'm surprised they didn't also have him like steal Reese's handbag or something. Just as like a final affront. And do note that he's dressed as Elvis in like the full leather getup, like with really exaggerated sideburns and like the crazy Elvis sunglasses. The craziest look like he just looked wild but then i was just surprised i thought nicole's character was gonna be the one that did it right that killed him so like nicole kidman reese witherspoon laura dern and shailene are all kind of having this like heated confrontation (laughs) at the top of these steps alexander skarsgård i guess is just like out of control at this point yeah, right. Because he found out that Nicole Kidman bought Was like the most amazing like <laughs> physical spousal abuse hideaway right on the beach. Really fantastic. She already stocked it with smart water, as Josh yeah. pointed out. <laughs> So he was just unhinged. So he tears down to this mm. like group of women all dressed in their Audrey Hepburn vest. Yeah. And Zoe Kravitz, who until this point has worn like a kimono in every single scene, <laughs> has been lighting incense, like carefully like fusing handcrafted jewelry together, has wind chimes in her backyard, looks like she lives in a yoga studio. 
Yeah, completely. It's her who goes crazy in an, an act of like self-defense or I guess Nicole Kidman defense tears down when she sees Perry start to get abusive and just pushes him off the stairs, which to be fair, like even you are not a violent person, but if you saw someone like diss Nicole Kidman, you would have done the same thing. I would do it if someone just said like, they called her like, you know, Naomi instead of Nicole. (laughs) But I also feel like it worked almost though in a weird way. Like, Bonnie kind of was catching on to what was happening earlier. Like, you know, she got that glimpse of Alexander Skarsgård throwing punches or something. Like, I feel like she saw what was happening. And then in my head, I was like, come on, Bonnie, like, go, like, do it, you know? So I was getting kind of excited. And she hadn't had much to do all season, as you just mentioned. You know, and then she kind of had this amazing, triumphant, heroic moment. I would have rather it have been transition lenses. (laughs) He had a really, like, ignoble end to the series. Like, when the way (laughs) he stormed into the coffee shop. He might be my least favorite character, like, (laughs) under Perry, Alexander Skarsgård. (laughs) Like, even worse than him. But also, okay, wait, but then you read the book. Because apparently in the book, you learn more about Bonnie's backstory. Right. It was one of those books I read, and I immediately forgot that I read it. (laughs) But I went back and read a post. Let's put put that on the book jacket (laughs) when they republish it. Pull Um, quote that. (laughs) I know, pull quote that. But I actually sort of felt like it was okay. We didn't really understand the full backstory. I don't know. Well, because it was so beautifully filmed. I didn't need logic. I didn't I didn't need more like, you know, exposition. Like just push him over the balcony. Like I don't need to know more than that. (laughs) Get him out of here. I was waiting for I don't know if you felt the same way. They were really building up so Reese Witherspoon's character had had this affair. And we kind of had gotten information that, you know, the guy's wife was on to them and like, and you felt like maybe Adam Scott was figuring it out. And then it didn't really like end. Do you know what I mean? Right. Like, like I was sort of expecting there was going to be some like dramatic fight or reconciliation. I don't know. I didn't know what was going to happen, but they don't really resolve that. I feel like the director maybe lost interest and so did I. So I thankfully, I was very happy that they didn't burn any more time on, on that, that plot. I hope Reese divorces Adam Scott. One of my favorite things, I was reading a lot of different stuff after the premiere, including your interview, which we have to talk about in a second. But the director of the whole series in like three separate interviews made a point of like, throwing shade at Adam Scott's singing abilities because Zoe Kravitz actually sang her song in the finale. Like, that was her voice. But Adam Scott apparently trained, like, took singing lessons so that he might be able to sing it. And then when he got there for, like, the filming of the finale... (laughs) <laughs> they weren't having it and they redubbed it with some other singer so that like wasn't his singing voice i just thought it was so funny that in every interview he was like yeah adam scott's singing is horrific like i forget how he said it but he really just like railed on his singing in every of his post finale interviews i thought it was kind of interesting that they dubbed his voice and with some it sounded nothing like him to me right right <laughs> yeah. it, sounded, it was like it took me out of it like there's no yeah. way that voice is coming out of that Adam guy's body. body i did have that momentary thing of like oh my god like it's kind of sexy if that is his voice i was like thinking maybe it was for a second no i was just shaking my head like darby would have been uh <laughs> reese witherspoon's daughter what's her the daughter's name chloe yeah but the actress's name is darby Oh, which if you have not read, Vulture had this amazing, they interviewed Darby and it was, it was fantastic. It's one of the best interviews I've ever read. I was hanging on every word. (laughs) I mean, the kids were great in general. I thought Ziggy was amazing. I thought she was amazing. Oh my 
my gosh. And Ziggy apparently has a side hustle on YouTube reviewing Broadway plays. I didn't know that. Wait, that's incredible. He goes to see them and then he just like talks about, we should have him on the podcast. In my dreams. But what did you think of the final scene though that shows all the women bonded in this (laughs) manslaughter-induced sisterhood? So like the end of the show is basically a Enya music video, sort of. Like they're just all on the beach super happy wearing great flowy clothing they've all been at each other's throats like literally and figuratively all season long and now they're just all best friends i mean the kids are all intermingling and like i'm thinking like you know nicole's son is the one who bullied laura dern's daughter and they're all just hanging out like no big deal right they glossed right over that (laughs) so so like they're all just getting along famously and at first i was a little bit I don't know. I guess I was obviously like, it was a very cathartic kind of, how could you not just like feel good watching that ending? But on some level, I was a little bit like, I don't know. It it felt a little soft or safe. Do you know what I mean? Like I wanted high drama till the end maybe, but I guess you needed that catharsis at the end. Right. But then you do see that this like detective who's skeptical of their story because they've all been kind of covering for Zoe Kravitz. She's watching them through her like binoculars or whatever. And then I was like, okay, maybe they're trying to give this sense that still things maybe aren't exactly what we think they are. I was reading this Slate piece about it and like, it made me think about, there's almost something like maybe interesting that like we don't really hear their testimony at the end. We don't hear them on the beach. So we're just seeing what the townspeople are seeing and we don't actually know even like removed from the inside. But what are they going to do? Throw Nicole Kidman in like Monterey's jail, which I'm sure is... (laughs) Like nicer than our apartments. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Yeah. No, I know, but I, it was a great ending. I have no complaints. It just was like... Uh, it sounded like you had a few complaints. <laughs> what did you think of it, the ending? I loved it. Yeah. I didn't think a lot about it, but I think that's kind of why I loved it. I read a couple interviews with the director who said that the ocean was meant to represent yeah. the, the strength all the women had when they banded together. Would you be excited if they said there was going to be a second season? And this is a good transition into your interview. Because Laura, yes. because I thought so. So Julie interviewed Laura Dern while Laura Dern. Well, you set the scene of this interview because it's such a fun like situation. So I interviewed Laura Dern, who was on vacation. So props to her for like even turning on her cell phone. That was really great. But she happened to be on vacation with Reese Witherspoon. And she kept, like, postponing the interview a couple hours because they were trying to do some, like, Instagram Live. I was bracing for the interview to be canceled because she's on vacation. And she's with Reese Witherspoon in some, like, gorgeous locale drinking wine. Right. Why did she need to call me? But she finally calls. She apologizes profusely. She says that they had like a an incident getting all the kids off the boat, which I, I was like, oh, of course, as though I've also had the same trouble. <laughs> You've also made Reese Witherspoon wait while you wait for your kid to like get off a boat because he's crying. <laughs> But she said, um, so I'm actually talking to you. I'm on a golf cart with Reese right now. I would freak out if I heard the person I was interviewing was currently sitting next to Reese Witherspoon. So I was like fanning myself. I didn't know what to think. But she was really sweet because they were also on the golf cart with their friend Chad, who hadn't seen the finale. No idea who Chad is. I feel like Chad is all of us in this moment. And 
And Laura Dern was so sweet because she did not want to spoil the episode for Chad. So she kept saying, like, if you have to ask me a specific question about the ending, I need to hop, like, stop the golf cart, get off, and walk away so Chad doesn't hear me. So at one point in the interview, I said, Laura, I need to ask you about the ending. Can you get to a place so Chad can't hear you? So she paused. She told him to stop the golf cart. She answered some questions, and then she was like, okay, I'm getting back on the golf cart cart chad's here so we can't say anything i was asking about prepping for the fight scene and she said no we actually didn't do that much prep reese like did we prep that much and so reese leans into the phone and it's my greatest regret in life that i couldn't hear better because they're like whipping wherever they are going on this golf cart and by the way this was like a 20 minute golf cart ride (laughs) so where where are they taking reese and laura They were just, like, circling the entire island or something, I guess. But she kind of leaned in, and I could catch a few words. She said something about how the director was great because he let them just drink wine and go over their lines and just trusted them. And my favorite part of the interview probably was that you say Reese said that, and then Laura Dern goes, that was Reese. Like, as if there was any question of, like, who else it could possibly be. Like, she just chimes in to be like, FYI, that was Reese Witherspoon. (laughs) And I freaked out. I was like, oh, my God, tell Reese I said thank you. Like as if (laughs) it was the greatest gift that she had leaned into the phone to say four words. But I mean, shout out to Chad if he's listening. Okay, so I'm reading this. I'm like, I'm like, Chad, that sounds so familiar. And then I'm connecting that. So all weekend, Reese has been promoting the show on her Instagram and like she's doing all these Instagram stories and like she did an Instagram live with Laura Dern, as you mentioned. But then she this weekend from her vacation, she's been just kind of like randomly filming stuff. And this guy, Chad, has been in like all these videos. I like, looked up his Instagram because I was kind of like, just who is this guy? And he keeps making jokes, like corny jokes about her movie titles. Like he's like, what happened? Like, like, like what happened if you, uh, you know, you shoplifted Reese, like she's legally blonde. I don't know, like stuff like that. Like that oh, was a horrible okay. example, but like where the punchline is like cruel intentions or legally blonde. Oh, or, Josh, yeah. you would be perfect for that job. I know whatever that job is, which is like Reese's hype man or something <laughs> like her joke teller, her like, you know, like wine drinking opener. Like I'll do anything. Reese wants Golf me to cart do. driver. Yeah. I want like a reality show where I compete with Chad for Reese's <laughs> affection, <laughs> like just as her like go to guy. Oh my gosh, what would that be called? Um, uh, Something with Witherspoon. Like spoon, I don't know. There's something there. What, what goes with a spoon? Fork? <laughs> like, <laughs> God, this is... That just disqualified me actually from the show. So it's over. I'm not getting the job. <laughs> but God, I mean, imagine like being on vacation with them. I also just think that seems amazing. Okay, but I have one other question oh. about... In the scene where Nicole Kidman is drinking the smart water kind of cleaning out her new apartments. She has on one glove. Why is she wearing one glove? Wait, I didn't notice that, really? And what kind of glove are we talking? Like a Louis Vuitton kind of like rich No, it almost looks like like... a surgical glove. Like I was thinking, is she smoking and she doesn't want the (laughs) tobacco smell on her fingers? Maybe she's clean. She's not scrubbing anything, though. Celeste doesn't do that. Oh, please, no. (laughs) 
Well, my thing about the smart water was I, I put, I already tweeted this, but like, it just was funny to me because it's like such a like Jennifer Aniston connection in my head. Like when I see smart water now, I just think of, I've, I've talked about this before on the podcast. I think of Jennifer Aniston right away. So I was like, it just makes so much sense to me that Big Little Lies would be like a team Jen show. Right. She was not drinking Miraval Rosé in that <laughs> yeah. scene, but she could have been. <laughs> yeah, she could have been, but that was their sly way of being like, we're team Jen here, I think. Um, that's my big, like, conspiracy theory about Big Little Lies. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So, whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So, download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a Happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. Well, so from one gorgeous Oscar winner to the next. Ooh, right? I want to yeah. hear about you. Where did you run into Anne Hathaway? Okay, so run into it is like, I mean, I think, actually, no, I didn't know necessarily. You never know what these premieres, you know what they're like. Um, I went to the premiere on last Tuesday for this movie called Colossal which if you haven't seen it, you should definitely check it out. It is a monster movie meets like an indie dramedy with like a feminist sort of like allegory at the same time, which Anne explained to me later for a little bit of foreshadowing. Um, But I would not have necessarily picked up on all the allegorical elements watching it myself, probably. Oh my, of course that's the conversation (laughs) you have with Anne Hathaway. Um, so there was a premiere at Lincoln Square. Her co-star is Jason Sudeikis. Sudeikis? I've never been clear on how you pronounce that. Sudeikis? Olivia Wilde's partner. <laughs> and and also Tim Blake Nelson. It's kind of a fun cast. Dan Stevens from Downton Abbey is in it. Oh, Matthew Crawley. Yeah, he wasn't at the premiere, though, sadly. He's also in Beauty and the Beast now, so maybe he's, you know, rolling in piles of money somewhere. But basically... This premiere happens. From the get-go, Anne was like giving you exactly what you wanted. The director got up in front of everybody to introduce the film before they started the screening and then asked Anne and Jason to come up to like say hello. Jason just did like a self-deprecating joke. He was in like a newsboy cap. And then Anne like takes the mic from the director and she's like, like launches into this whole speech about like how meaningful the experience of filming the movie was and how like it's going to change everyone in the audience's life to see it. I'm like, oh, this is so exactly what I want from Anne Hathaway, like a very earnest introduction into this film before it starts, just like getting me extremely excited. And then I would think it's crazy. I mean, I don't know. Is this always the case when you've been to premieres? Like, I always just think it's interesting when the stars watch the movie. Right. Because sometimes they've seen the movie so many times that they just leave when the screening starts. But I had a feeling Anne wasn't the type to do that. (laughs) Was she there with anyone? Was she there with family? No, no husband, no, no one. Olivia Wilde was not in attendance either. But they were sitting like row in front of me, actually. So like Anne was in the row in front of me, then Jason was one row in front of her. Jason had a better seat than Anne did? Well, I guess you could say that, though. I always think the further back you are in a theater, it's kind of the better off you are. So maybe I had the best seat of all (laughs) right behind Ms. Hathaway. The film was great. And like, as I said before, it's such a mixture of different tonal elements. It's like kind of a strange movie, but people got really into it about like halfway through, like everyone was just so invested and it's like kind of scary. And then like people were actually audibly cheering at certain points. Was Anne cheering for herself? (laughs) 
<laughs> I didn't. I couldn't see at that point. Unfortunately, like I was all the way on the left, she was all the way on the right. But believe, you know me, I was trying to get glances. So then it ended, and like stood outside, kind of like receiving line style. People came over to like pay their respects, <laughs> and then I kind of stayed away because I know how stressful that is for them. And then, was this the party? Because usually everybody moves to an after party, or was this still in yeah, the screening so, so this room? Yeah, this was still in the Lincoln Center AMC Theater. So then after that, everyone did move to the party, which was maybe like two blocks away, and obviously got driven, though, the two blocks. Uh-huh. And we arrived at the perfect time. I was with Alyssa Reeder, former colleague and oh, friend, friend of the, of the podcast. podcast. And like, as we arrived at the after party location, Anne was getting out of her car. And she was great. I thought like people were like just civilians, not like me, like it's mere civilians. <laughs> we were getting up close to her to take selfies and like a, kind of accost her. It's like always so aggressive. People were really like on top of her. And she was so kind of cool about it. Like she just took selfie after selfie, really sweet. And then she gets in, immediately goes to the back. It was a very chill after party. It was just this like restaurant. Were you wearing your tux? No, I was, I think I was wearing a blazer, but no tie. I always like the visual. <laughs> yeah. Anne was wearing a kind of very interesting, there was all these pictures of her in that black dress. Did you see it? Where this like thing almost in front of her face. Right. But she changed out of that. So she was wearing like a red dress to the after party. She was just like having a ball. She was hanging out with her friends. And then like at a certain point, Alyssa and I look up and we're like standing right near her. And she was talking to this. This this is usually my like move in these kind of scenarios. Oh she was my talking to gosh, a, your she move. Was, she was talking to a guy and like, you could just see this guy was weird. He just was like not leaving her alone a little. So I feel like we kind of swooped in at the perfect moment where she was looking for an escape kind of. And... She was lovely. We talked to her for like five or 10 minutes. She asked what we thought of the film. And when I told her I really enjoyed the ending, she like clutched my arms. Like she just reached out and like held me and kind of like shook me. And I was like, oh my God, I feel like I'm literally going to turn into porcelain. Like that was like too much. Like what can't I conquer after having Anne Hathaway clutch me? But she was telling us about how the movie to her was like, an allegory for Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. Or like it turned into that. Like it wasn't intentionally at the beginning, but she's seen the pre-election and post-election and post-election. She said people clap earlier. I don't want to give anything away, but people clap earlier on in the movie now. And she oh, thinks it has to do with the fact and she thinks that has to do with the fact that Hillary won the election. Uh, right. <laughs> Hillary lost the election. Um, whoops, we're living in alternate reality in the podcast. <laughs> Hillary Clinton's president. And Anne Hathaway is prime minister. And so we talked about that. We talked about she was five months pregnant while filming the movie. And then Alyssa pointed out, like, oh, I never would have been I and I wouldn't have been able to tell either. And, and like I guess it kind of is she's wearing lots of baggy clothes and she's kind of playing like a hot mess who's like an alcoholic in the movie. She's not wearing a cat suit. <laughs> right. But she was like, Well, you can see it in my ass. And I loved that. And I was oh. like, um what else did she say that was interesting oh we talked about what she really liked about watch because i asked if she's what i said earlier like i'm like do you like watching yourself or is it hard to watch and she said no she likes watching this one because she knows she was five months pregnant with her son so when she's watching it she can kind of like see her son on screen (laughs) like in her stomach i guess sure i'll take it oh my gosh i feel like that was almost kind of a relatable conversation you had with her Oh, no, she was so we left feeling like so high in Anne Hathaway. Oh, we did make fools of ourselves, though. And I'll share this, too. In our defense, it was a little hard to hear because it was like a lot of people around. And you could see at this point, people were waiting to talk to her. And she said, 
when we were talking about how her character was this like hot mess and drinking so much and kind of all over the place. She's like, oh, I was actually basing it. And she's like, and I can say this to you guys like on Catherine. And then we couldn't really quite hear the last name. It started with an M. And it was she's like, the you know, you know, the French writer. And like, I'm like, uh, I really don't want to let Anne Hathaway down. Like, I have no <laughs> idea who she's talking about. And like the fact that she just assumed Alyssa and I would know is like such an honor. And then she, so you guys know what I'm talking about, right? And we both kind of nod our heads like, yeah, yeah, of course, Anne. Like we know exactly. She's like, oh, great. She's like, I'm so happy that like I have people here who know who that is or something. And then she keeps on going. And then afterwards, Alyssa and I walk away and like turn to Alyssa. And I'm like, like Catherine, who? She's like, I have no idea. I'm like, me either. So we basically lied to Anne Hathaway because oh. we didn't know who she was talking about. But you had to. She was so happy that you guys knew. She was so happy that she thought we knew who this Parisian writer who she had based her character on was. And then I tried Googling to figure it out. It wasn't to be. It wasn't my finest moment. <laughs> Feeling semi-duplicitous in the presence of one of my favorite actresses. Well, no, I think you played it perfectly. She was really, really lovely. I was already extremely pro Anne Hathaway, and then I left feeling even more so. Oh, what a dream she sounds like. She was great. Oh. Um... Okay, so moving from Anne to someone who, God, I was going to say looks sort of like Anne, Kate Middleton. <laughs> oh, not. from one Princess Diaries? Oh my God, right, Princess <laughs> Diaries. That's so good, Julie. I've never heard that, oh my God, from you. From a fictional princess to a real life princess. Oh, I need to take off my sweater. I'm very <laughs> hot, sorry. <laughs> Wow, that that transition has her so heated up that she's taking. I know, off the I'm so guys. excited. I have to take off the sweater, put my tiara tiara on. Okay, I'm ready. So, Julie, Kate Middleton. So, actually, this came up with Allison Williams last week, and she correctly predicted it last week when we were talking to Allison Williams. You should check out that episode if you haven't yet. She, yes. we, we were talking about Williams' kind of ski scandal, which is that he skipped a royal engagement to go skiing with his buddies, right? Yeah, so just a quick reminder. We talked about this, I think, two weeks ago, was it now? But there was, like, a very kind of important event that the Queen is sort of, like, overseas that all the important royals are expected to go to. William important go. enough that all of them are expected to go to, but not important enough that we would remember what the actual <laughs> event is. <sighs> I was not invited. If they, if they want me to remember it, they better invite me next year. So then William went skiing instead, and they probably would have been not ba- that big of a deal if he hadn't been filmed by someone at the club, and he was doing these kind of like dad style dance moves getting down in the club tmz posted them he also like cavorted with this model and like high-fived her which wasn't that scandalous but the whole combination of like the dancing and the model and missing the event created this whole kind of tsunami of scandal and allison williams very kindly told us that we were making way too big of a deal out of it Mm -hmm. it was not a scandal and in fact kate was probably at some more exclusive dance club but she was probably smart enough to make sure there were no camera phones there it's actually crazy how well Allison Williams predicted how this all played out now that I think about it. She must actually be friends with Kate Middleton. I know. We have, to, we have to follow up with Allison to find out how she knew this. Right. She said, of course, like, Kate is the chillest person any of us would know. And then, Josh, you reported on this on Vanity Fair. <laughs> okay, so then what was uncovered over the weekend, and I guess we should caveat this, that, like, it's from The Sun was the source, but, like, everyone else is sort of hopping on it now. So it's probably true, which was that the same weekend that William went for this debaucherous ski trip. (laughs) Kate was at Pippa's bachelorette weekend. 
So Pippa Middleton, Kate's sister, she's getting married next month. And Pippa's apparently had this like very sort of like chic. It's like somewhere in France they had it. It was 100 miles from where William was. And they all shared a plane, like both parties, the Pippa Bachelorette party and the William Bro party all got on this private jet together or something that the Middletons paid for. Oh. So it like wasn't a royal expense. And then I guess the William crew went to Switzerland. The Pippa Kate crew went to France. And then they had their bachelorette weekend. So while, you know, everyone thought Kate was at home, like checking her Instagram to see like what pictures of William <laughs> might be showing up. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Or like waiting for texts and like watching George and Charlotte. In fact, she was at an equally, if not actually not even equally, like a more exciting event, I think, which is Pippa's bachelorette. So this is from the Sun Report. It says they stayed in a really exclusive catered chalet with maids and chef who ensured they were totally spoiled. The owners wanted to impress their royal guests, so the girls were showered with gifts. They were given swatch watches, Ugg slippers, leather-bound notebooks, and bespoke fragrances. Ah. This is what my bachelor party is going to be like, too. It was a very small private party, and they had an amazing time. Well, if we were renting out our ski chalet in the south of France (laughs) to the Middletons, we would have done the same, except we couldn't afford all those gifts. So we would have just offered them the shoes off our feet. I know, exactly. I would have, we would have given them more than this. We'd be like, we (laughs) don't even know what we would have done. So does this now change your whole viewing of the William incident? Are you now like reframing this whole thing in your head, knowing this information, or does it not change anything to you? It definitely, well, the Allison Williams thing changed it for me because I felt a little bit shamed, like maybe we pay a little (laughs) too much attention. So that was the first thing. But I love hearing this because I just, I want to know more about Kate's interior life. And it's kind of interesting that the narrative that immediately got from and we were like we're not we were the ones like propagating this but just the, the idea that like Kate was somehow so disappointed so upset you know it's just as funny this is making it seem like she's the chillest person any of us know like she really probably didn't care she was having way more fun you know she really wasn't even thinking twice about what William was up to she's like what lame stuff are they up to in Switzerland right now who even cares right and she kind of pulled off this covert weekend getaway while William did not I think the biggest takeaway is these royals have to be wary of the covert cell phone video you would think that they would already be wary right or their security I read a separate report and I don't remember it might have been daily mail like uh, before this came out that william was furious because i guess the place they all went skiing in switzerland is known to be like a hot spot for royals which by the way what a reputation to have the place the royals come to like get loose but he was really upset because apparently part of the whole deal with this ski town or whatever is that they're like really discreet no videos get out and like nothing happens Oh, Alana chiming in as she always does with a great conspiracy theory that kind of makes us reassess the whole situation. So Alana just said that she thought maybe the video got out intentionally so that no one would catch on to the fact that Pippa and Kate were having this bachelorette weekend. My alternate theory is that Pippa or Kate phoned it in to like TMZ William's whereabouts and they just let him take the hit without telling him. Oh, so a wrinkle on Alana's theory. I like that. Pippa was like wanting to make sure hers was going to be right. extremely classified. I wonder why now the Kate Pippa news is coming out. 
Right. Well, maybe it's that chalet owner or maybe it's like an ug or swatch pr person because i thought it was right kind it was weird i thought it was kind of weird that in this write-up it says they were given swatch watches and ug slippers like you don't usually see like brand names in these like royal kind of reports very good points okay so which weekend would you rather have been part of this is such an easy question but i'm asking uh, you anyway i mean of course the ug <laughs> ug weekend the comfy weekend what about you yeah, obviously. I can't even believe I like pose that as like there could even be anyone who would say Williams bro high-fiving weekend. <laughs> I mean, uh, I'm sure Williams weekend was interesting to behold. Right. No, it definitely was. <laughs> I feel like I also am curious just what else went on at this Middleton bachelorette weekend. Because I feel like if you're Kate and Pippa, you can share all secrets with each other. They're both part of this kind of unique, rare life situation. But like, can Pippa's girlfriends from college know all about that stuff? Right. I didn't realize either that the Middletons had private jet money. <laughs> well, I guess Kate Middleton's mom, I think we've talked about this before, is basically like the Chris Jenner of the British aristocracy. She has this party planning business, but she's like risen to have these two daughters. What does their brother do, James? James is a marshmallow tycoon. <laughs> he he makes these personalized, this isn't a joke, he makes these personalized marshmallows that you can like rent for different parties and occasions. Rent? <laughs> like commission. We need to yeah, get some commission. of these marshmallows. I wonder if they're any good. We should make in the limelight marshmallows. I'm looking at Alana to like get approval on that. <laughs> I, think, I think we should make, and we're getting the thumbs up. I don't know, we'll do some sort of giveaway. Yeah, I'm going to London next week. Oh my gosh, you have to do some on-the-ground research. I'm going to do some on-the-ground reporting. Can you find Meghan Markle's Whole Foods? I think that has to be your number one thing. I have a whole checklist. I have to find that uh, hashtag on the sidewalk. Oh my god. <laughs> I just I just lost it thinking about that. And you can't give me any warning. You just have to send me that picture without telling me it's coming. Because okay. I, I, need, I need that boost next week. I can already tell I'm going to I'm going to get a Whole Foods bag and I'm going to have someone take a picture of me outside of like Kensington Palace. Yes. Uh, I'm going to try to find a marshmallow to bring back for you. I don't know if they sell them at stores. And also like Pippa wedding related research too. Do they have a date yet? Yeah, it's May. Do you think they're going to sell the photos to a magazine? Yeah, I feel like they might do like an official palace. Re- but she's not like a royal. It's kind of confusing. She's royal know. adjacent. She's, she's royal, royal adjacent. Enough. And I feel like I sometimes feel like with those kind of celebrity where it's like, I don't know, they're not actors or actresses. Like I feel like she might just post it to kind of like get it out there so that people don't pound their wedding. Right. I, I'm you're very smi- excited. You're smiling in a way that makes me feel like you have some sinister <laughs> thought about this, which I bet you do. Okay. Well, if you're in London, meet Julie at the No Bad Energy hashtag sign, where she'll be spending the entire week (laughs) (laughs) just camped out by Meghan Markle's No Bad Energy hashtag. You do have to find it, though. That's like a rule. I will find it. If (laughs) anyone has any tips, please tweet us. Let us know. That does it for this week's In the Limelight. Thank you so much for listening. Please remember to rate, review on iTunes. We really appreciate it. Let us know where Julie should go in London next week. Right. Feel free to reach out to us on Twitter at In the Limelight to further discuss any of these subjects. You can also follow us individually. I'm at Julie W. Miller. And I'm Jay Duboff. And now we also have an Instagram account, or we always have for a bit now, uh, In the Limelight Pod. This episode was edited and produced by conspiracy theorist extraordinaire Alana Milner. 
Thanks to Laura Mayer and Andy Bowers at Panoply. Thanks for joining us, and we will talk to you next week. And until then, no bad energy. <laughs>